Hello, this is Ryan Chapman with Fix Your Funnel, and today we're privileged to have Emrod on the on the interview. Uh, that's Emrod for short. We'll call him Michael Rodriguez if you want to know his whole name. <laughs> but uh, he, you've been uh, around the block a little bit. You were a project manager for a real long time, and then you you've started a couple of companies recently. And the one that we were chatting about before we started the interview was actually your handyman business. How did you get into that? Well, my my mother, she always watched that uh, show, This Old House, growing up. Oh, yeah, I loved it. And, yeah, great show. Uh, We lived in an apartment in Brooklyn, you know, in New York, and uh, never had uh, much to rub two sticks together to be buying anything on, like, the old houses and those shows. So um, I always had this interest of having my own home. And then when me and my wife moved out to Colorado, I was able to uh, just go bananas and buy every piece of uh, woodworking equipment and, you know, just do everything we would want to do in our home and just do it up. And so um, I learned a lot about carpentry that way. Um, and uh, I enjoy it, you know, somewhat where we all have hobbies, right? I can't sit yeah. there and make an ottoman or anything. <laughs> I, I like the, the carpentry side. And I'll, I'll break stuff if I, I get too, too detailed in it. Um, but I, I like the craft. I like being able to get in and out of a job and see that satisfaction. Yeah. And, you know, instead of something really long, like in project management and corporate America, where, you know, you don't really get that satisfaction that quickly. So it feeds my uh, entrepreneurial drive. And, um, you know, out of the four businesses I started over the last two years, this is the one that uh, I can see being profitable. Yeah, that's always the, the challenge as we get going as entrepreneurs. We can see so much opportunity, but picking that one where we can really make a, a difference in the marketplace and. Mm hmm. Uh, as we were chatting about what you're doing right now, I thought it was really cool that uh, you are trying to apply the model that we get from the e-myth, right, from Michael Gerber, yeah. where yeah. you're not in the thick of everything. You're able to take a step back and actually work on the business a little bit more than in the business. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's vital for me to um, not have a business. I, I saw that when I first started getting into project management and software. I thought, am I going to be the guy making the software or the guy running the show. Um, I don't see myself sitting in a desk uh, too long and I don't see the career path there. But if you can, you know, help other people be motivated about their work and love what they do, then, you know, you've got a business there. So that's kind of your background before you got into what you're doing now is you actually were a project manager for a real long time. Yeah. It, was that in California or where was that? Uh, that was out in uh, Long Island, uh, New York. Oh, okay, New York. And yeah, and um, for a small software company. And then uh, when we moved out to Colorado, I um, just moved over to a uh, biotech out here. Uh, it's pretty, well, it's pretty big. Now it's uh, other things here in Colorado, like beer and, uh, and marijuana and energy. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that brought me out here, the uh, beautiful mountains out here. I thought the mountains were big back east and boy, out here, they are just huge. amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. So you went from cold place to cold place. So you're into that. It's 80 degrees right now, though, and it's January. So oh, wow. Who knows <laughs> what yeah. we're going to have tomorrow. Well, that is weird. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's a blizzard, Becky, so I'm happy to be here right now. Okay, so um, you obviously are using Infusionsoft because I know you're using Fix Your Funnel. Yeah. Um, how did you get into Infusionsoft? Um, I had a good demo of it. I was really looking for the right CRM system when we started this business because I knew it was vital for me to capture 
my leads into a, a funnel, just always kind of taking people through funnels and previous work I did, I did um, to understand that, uh, you know, to track the people and, and capture those leads and retain them and, and work on them was going to be vital for me. And wearing all these hats, I really wanted the best tool I could use to capture a lead, put it on my phone, get in the system, be able to look at it later on. And it was a struggle with just single play. Uh, Nimble, I want to say, was a really great tool, but didn't go as far as any delivery of uh, uh, content-driven uh, funnel to, to people. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other tools we tried out there. Uh, and when I started, it was a little too expensive to bite off. Uh, but here, a year later, I felt great about jumping into it because I knew that it would give me that pathway to not only capture leads, but also to uh, disseminate the leads once I get my first salesperson, hopefully, uh, on board. That's very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to hear people talk about how they came to that decision to you know jump on board and get Infusionsoft. I know we were chatting a little bit about my story before too, and I uh, I had been actually working with some people that had Infusionsoft before we ever bought it back okay. in two thousand six. And as soon as my brother came to me and said, hey, let's start this business, we decided right up front, the very first thing we were going to spend any revenue on was Infusionsoft because we knew that was going to be like a critical component to our success. And that was a smart decision. It was the best decision we made. At the time, it was like a five grand investment to get started. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was worth every single dime for us. Now, you're using actually our send out cards integration, right? That's right. Yeah, um, we started in December just to say uh, uh, thank you to our customers that uh, we were able to bring in in 2014. So we loaded about 200 contacts into Infusionsoft, and um, then we were able to uh, pretty easily just connect with the you know URL and copy pasting uh, into uh, Fixture Funnel, and then uh, Fixture Funnel is integrated. The only thing I, the only tool I think is is integrated that I know of into sending out your cards. So then the postcards went out uh, a couple days later, and um, my wife was happy to see that we actually have some marketing that came in the mail, and so I sent her one as well. Oh, yeah, good. It's always a good idea to seed yourself on your direct mail. I think vital, yeah. I, I, I'm a little worried about that, right? The technology, is it working? Right? Yeah, so well. I, I'm always going to send myself like a little test here and there. You send out cards in... has been a pretty incredible company, though. I, what I like about send out cards in terms of uh, what they do is – they can send internationally. I know that's not important for your business because you're really local fa mm -hmm, focused, mm -hmm. but you can send anywhere, and their reliability is just off the off the charts in terms wow. of their system. I don't know if you probably never been out there. I haven't been out there, but I've had people that've been out to their facility, and they say it's just incredible. They should do a little more in that because I'd like to know how do these cards get processed? Yeah, it's and, you know, show a it's little video amazing <laughs> machines okay. and stuff. But um, That's great. in fact, just yesterday, the the one of the, the, the I think he's the ch chief. Um, I don't know if he's the technical officer or what he is, but one of their their executives called me to let me know that they're making some changes to their site so that we could stay up. And oh, I was okay. like, hey, that's very cool. So they're, they're a good company. They're pretty big and they're doing some great stuff. So it's for me personally, how I utilize them is um, we actually send brownies out to all our new users. Have you got your brownies yet? Mm. Uh, yes, I did. Okay, actually. good. That was pretty cool. And um, I, I, I'm like, ah, oh, I want to spend that money, but I got to find my, uh, you know, I got a segment like we were talking about before the call, my, my best customers. And 
really get them into that gift funnel. I do a little bit of the uh, you know Starbucks cards, and that really goes a long way to get me leads. You know, and let's talk about that real quick because I think that that is a big challenge for some people. Is can I afford to spend the money? Um, I'll tell you my perspective. I don't know, I'd, I'd be curious to get your your feedback on this and what you think. Um, in in my business, right? Because our business is software. Mm-hmm. So it's very ethereal, right? It's not like it's something you set on the shelf. It's not something you see every day. Um, and so because of that, it was really important for me to figure out how can I show up like nobody else? So right. as you might imagine, we subscribe to a number of different services that are the same kind of thing in terms of we have servers and we have all these different uh resources that we and technologies we have to tap into in order to provide our service and right. you know and I, some of them i spend quite a bit of money every month on but none of them have ever received one piece of direct mail much less a gift from them so i just thought you know if, uh, I, if I can make an investment and let's say i think i don't even know how much it costs i just know that it's worth it but i think that maybe let's say it's ten dollars if I can make an investment $10 that makes an impression on somebody um, that shows them how much I care about having them as a customer, what is the the lifetime value of that investment? Right. And so that's, that's kind of the approach that I took. And so like one of the nice things for, for me (laughs) is I don't see that money being spent. Right. Cause it all happens in the background. It happens automatically. I'm not having to make that decision every time it goes out. And because I don't have to make that decision every time it comes out, it's not stressful for me at all. So it doesn't matter what cash flow is like that. That's happening no matter what. It's just a commitment I made, but also as okay. a, cal- a calculation too. So I was able to know, okay, I've invested this much to get the customer. I know a, the length of time that a person will stay with me and how much they'll spend with me. So I know the value of a customer. So I know now how much I'm willing to invest to make that sure that that customer has a great experience with my company. And that's how I do my calculation to determine who gets sent a gift and who might not. Right. Right. And so the, it's, it isn't just a, a kind venture or kind idea or a good idea. It's actually a very mathematical in, in some sense, as well as it is emotional in terms of gratitude. Right. So, and do you see, um, a mathematical, um, return on as far as tracking and then seeing the effect from that gift you know i think if we had never done it and then we started doing it we would be able to track that a little bit better but it was something that we knew from past experience would have an impact so i can't i unfortunately because i don't have a before and after i can't tell you the difference it's made but I am extremely confident that it's had an impact on referrals mm-hmm. because I don't, my, do it you know, should, of course. Do yeah, you know I mean, anybody else that uses Infusionsoft? Um, no, I do not directly. And especially in my trade now. Okay, and so, I am happy about that, of course, because I feel like once I, you have a competitive tame this animal, advantage. I'm going to, I'm going to really kill my competition. Yeah. But let me ask you back. I mean, yeah. Or go ahead. You finish your thought. No, that's fine. That, that was done. I was curious well, about what you thought about that and what thoughts that spurred. Yeah, I have a couple of, of uh, thoughts. So the concern for me, right, is I don't have a marketing. Uh, I should get an intern or something, someone that would want to learn Infusionsoft with me and uh, help me with the, these campaigns. And that I would love to send all my um, MVPs, you know, a um, a brownie. And I almost went to the 
and, and last year when we first started, we went around and gave cookies to everybody. You know, we delivered it, hand delivered it, and walked in the door and said thank you for you know being a customer. And this year, I bought a bunch of little Christmas trees, and I was going to deliver them, and then the time got away, and then it was like Christmas was over, and I was like, what can I do with these things? So I took them back to the store, yeah. and luckily they took them. But I'm thinking, okay, well, if I had it together, and I'll spend the Christmas holiday, let me get these campaigns together. I can send a gift. I can send a newsletter. I want the flow to happen, Ryan. Yeah. And I feel like, man, I'm not going to start it, and then the flow not continue. And so I got to kind of get a couple of steps through that in my head that I, I want to at least be three steps ahead and then launch. Uh, the, uh, the postcard would go out, a little gift, thank you, and then uh, a newsletter, you know? Yeah. And then I want to be able to then, you know, okay, the calls will come in and then and then kind of put them in separate funnels for, okay, I'm interested in bath uh, remodeling versus um, I need a cabinet done or I need some some door uh, work done. So here's what here's what I would say to that too, and this would be for everybody listening as well, is um, what what I have found is. When you take some sort of commitment and action towards what you think you should be doing and then make it not a matter of choice but a matter of standard, then you go all in. You just say, hey, this is who I am. I'm going to get this done. It changes the whole relationship of what's going on. And suddenly you find I'm getting a whole lot more stuff done than when you're hesitant to pull the trigger. Because the, the difference is between results and non-results is action. And, yes. and you, you sure. might mess up. You sure. might deliver the thing late. You might not get it exactly perfect, but you're taking some step and that motivates you <laughs> and for some reason pulls you forward to take right. the next step. So what I found is if you find yourself in that vacillation, that hesitation zone where you're like, should I get started? I don't quite have everything. Just go ahead and get, start, get started and do something on it, right? So even with like the, this podcast that right. you're going to be a part of here, and this is going to be going out there, well, when I started, I started off really well, you know, and I had a number of podcasts scheduled, and they were going, and then we had them go, and then the holidays hit, and I took two weeks off, and during that time, people didn't put the podcast up, you know, so things didn't happen that were supposed to happen, sure, sure. and suddenly it was three weeks behind. And at that point, I could have given up. But what I said is, no, let's just kick it back into gear. And we got it back on track. But the, but the, I guess the end thing that I would say uh, for your situation is do do something and then just keep on kicking yourself to keep up with it. Because the, the reality is, is until we change something, things don't change. And so, you know, if you put yourself in that position where you're finding yourself being uncomfortable because you're having to do right. this thing and you don't like it, You'll then discover the solution to overcoming that. You'll find the the assistant. You'll find the the temp, the intern, the whatever. Right, but right. Not, but if you don't make the commitment, then it never. It has a way of never really showing up until it's too late. You know. Well, tell me if this is a cop out. Then. Yeah. I feel that um, you know I waited till this year. We hired our fifth employee. Uh-huh. Very happy about that. And this is not your online world where you can scale up products. Yes. And you can make unlimited. CDs, there's no more CDs even, right? So yeah, you're delivering you're something. Time. That's, right, I'm selling time, and I need more employees to keep my quality level up. Don't want to hire contractors where the quality level goes down. Yeah. And so I feel like also, if I go after it, I'm going to have to, which is ideal, stage my work over the next three, four months, right? Correct. A lot of people want things done now when it's smaller jobs, bigger jobs, they don't. 
But uh, and that's not a bad problem to have. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I just um, I'm also a little weary of can I deliver, you know, on that well, set. So here's one of the interesting things that comes out of that situation too. And anybody that finds if if you find yourself in Michael's position as well, in a bootstrap company too. Yeah, bootstrap. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. excess capital, so you can't just hire as many people as you want and have them on call. Um, normally what happens in this kind of situation, you have one of two things. If your quality is good, then sometimes what happens is we're not quite asking for the appropriate amount and we can actually mm -hmm. increase prices. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways good that point. we get around that is if you're always booked, your value to the marketplace, even your perceived value goes up. And as long as your quality matches, so people's expectations are met, then you can actually increase prices. And that's the way that you then are able to thin back the herd. So there's sort of this build up and then thin down, build up and thin down with the testing of pricing. Because the reality is about pricing. If you guys aren't familiar with this, there's a book called um, Priceless, I think it is. I'll, I'll make sure that that's the book. But it's by a guy named Featherstone. And basically what he points out is that as humans, we have no, no basis for understanding the value of things. In fact, um, <laughs> if, if I were to send you to the store, unless you were the regular shopper for the home, and I send you to the store and say, go buy uh, peanut butter, you wouldn't even know what a good price for peanut butter is. Good point. Yeah. Unless that's something you do on a regular basis and you have some sort of frame of reference. Without a frame of reference, we have this really difficult way of telling the value of something. And when it comes to something like custom homer, you know, homer repair, yeah. Yeah. People really don't have a basis for what the value of that should be. And so there's a lot of there's a lot more leeway in pricing than we realize. And normally what we do to set the pricing is we either compare with competition, mm -hmm. which if your marketing is really good, you don't you eliminate competition that way because right. you're showing up where nobody else is showing up. And you're right. They're seeing me. They're getting this presence from me constantly in, in whatever drip marketing I'm giving them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. since you're frequent and most recent, you you overcome all those challenges. But then there's another issue that happens here, which is um, because you are showing up when nobody else is, if if you are not comparing with other people's pricing, what you're setting your pricing on is based on your own uh, temperature gauge. So right. I, I say everybody has within them a temperature gauge of what income they're comfortable with. And if they get outside that range, what happens? They kick on the coolers. <laughs> so if you suddenly do something really well, and I've seen this over and over again, even with myself, yeah. if, if I get outside of my comfort range, what happens is I'll start to self-sabotage. I'll come up with ways of decreasing the, the revenue it, to get it back to comfort level if I don't grow, right? If I'm not changing. Mm -hmm. And this really most frequently happens with our pricing. So sometimes people even give me a hard time for our pricing at Fix Your Funnel saying it's expensive. But you know what I did is I set the pricing based on the value I saw coming to the marketplace. And I know that there's nobody else that really will match the quality of what we'll do. But I had to have that kind of revenue in order for me to supply the product at the quality that people want. And so there, you put yourself in this catch-22 when right. you're in that situation. But I would say to anybody that finds themselves in a similar situation as yourself is evaluate hey, if, if my real limitation is my ability to deliver to the marketplace, then the, the easiest way to do that is go turn some other knobs. And so if I can generate business at will, and that's not my problem, then uh, like to your point, yeah. you really shouldn't generate more business if you're already maxed out. What you want to do is start gently cranking up the price and then right. see how that impacts 
demand and then you can market back in because once you have the marketing piece figured out where you can generate leads and you can convert and then it's a matter of how much supply do we have to be able to deliver to the marketplace then pricing becomes the next factor that can come into that if it's not pricing then it's terms right so you have to book it two weeks in advance you know and that kind of weeds out some people and then that allows you to be able to build the business on your terms versus on the terms of everybody else yeah, in your book, uh, Would You Like to Go Big, you mentioned how um, you know, you're know you ratcheting up your pricing to the point where people stop buying. Exactly. Right. And then you kind of bring it back down. But then you know, okay, this is the, the price point for those people. And, and am I getting that right? And then yeah. this, then I can go a little higher with the other people because they don't look at price at all. They're whatever, wealthy or, you know, they see the value and. And that's not their first. Uh, yeah, value is all relative filter. too. That's an important p- thing for yeah. everybody to remember, right? Especially in this business. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, especially what I, what I, uh, what I do. In, well, and what uh, you remodeling. and what you do, you actually are selling trust more than it, there is the quality of the product ultimately, but they need to trust you in their home. Yeah. So that's a big part of your equation as well. So people will pay a premium when they feel like they're getting someone they can trust, not only to respect their property in their home, but also to provide a great product. So it's those two factors that come into play. Um, Dan Kennedy, who we were talking about before, you'd recently read a bunch of his books. But Dan Kennedy has this phrase where he says, you get paid more for the whoing than the doing. <laughs> and and essentially what this reality Explain is, it, yeah. is, is there's only so much value in the things that we actually do in the marketplace. Uh, there's much more value that can be added by who we are perceived to be in the marketplace. So you can have somebody that shows up, does the exact same quality of work, but they look like they just rolled out of a dumpster. And then we right. have somebody else that shows up, they're respectful in terms of their dress, their appearance, their smell. Mm-hmm. They do the exact same quality of work, but the perceived value is different because of the entire package and really what it is is it's the whoing it's and that's not what i'm doing. hearing i'm hearing that from my clients i'm hearing that your guys i could talk to them they actually have a conversation with me and you know we keep them all in like logo at apparel um and i hear you those trust factors just get me over the top all the time to, to win win deals i just gotta keep my pricing um yeah, and let's let's right go into that because you you brought up an important part from my book. I'd love to share that with everybody that doesn't have the book yet. But when we were starting to sell our our first product in our training company, we initially started the pricing at two ninety seven. Okay. And uh, it, had we not tested the price, we would have gone out of business really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell you that right now <laughs> because at two ninety seven there wasn't enough margin for us to make all the mistakes we were going to make learning the business. Right. And this is true for everybody. Um, if your price is wrong, that can kill your business, even if you do everything else right. You can generate millions of leads. You can convert at the, like an astronomical percentage. But if the profit margin ultimately isn't there, it doesn't matter. You'll just, uh, in fact, another gentleman that I interviewed uh, a couple of weeks back, he said he actually sold himself out of business because his expenses kept pace with his sales to the point that uh. you know he, he sold himself right out of business. And so um, we tested that price and we noted percentage of conversion of the room, right? Because we were selling in a live hotel room environment. And with each event, different cities. So it was a different set of people. So we could test different, you know, different prices without having kickback. And we discovered that the actual price that the market would bear was $12.97, 
which is $1,000 more than what we were initially selling it for. And had we not made that adjustment in our thermostat and in our pricing, we never could have survived all the expenses. Because I don't know, like a couple of things that you wouldn't think about, but the, the all the travel costs of the hotels, the, the flights, the the meals, the taxi for our sales guy, you know, all those things added up to quite a bit. But we also had 400000 in bad debt we had to write off from people who were interested in buying the product, started to make payments, and then quit making pr- payments. Oh, okay. And right, so sure, sure. there's a ton of, of, of money that never was realized. And so we never, you know, counted that, obviously, as our, okay. as our revenue. But, um, you know, those types of situations we couldn't have gone through had we not had the margins we had. So it's an important, important part of pricing and, and setting up your business and tweaking it is also recognizing those places where you have dials that you can adjust. And normally we just think about the front end, but, you know, like you're bringing up, there's a lot that can be done on the back end. Definitely. And I, I feel um, there's also a lack of examples of offline um, businesses that have used the automation services in marketing for success. Yeah. Although I go to Infusionsoft's website, don't get me wrong, and they'll, they'll have some good, you know, the pool guy, the, uh, you know, the uh, person with the spa real estate agent um it's not like tangible in that okay this is what they actually did to uh put a campaign together in infusion so yeah well and that's part of why we're doing our event in march at the uh down san diego is mm-hmm. is to bring some bring home some of those r- real world examples and actually show you some things that you have to do that will allow you to be able to take advantage of that but some of those for example are you get that's why there's this process. Did you see my video where I talked about um, the pipes? I just recently threw that no, out there. Okay, you'll, you'll need to look for that. Um, okay. I'll, I'll try and see if I can get you a copy of it. But I have a video out there right now. It's like 25 minutes long, so it's a little bit of investment of time. Mm-hmm. But I talk about how um, each business is actually made up of component pipes. So... Uh, the easiest way to break it down is uh, another guy I interviewed a couple of weeks ago said was LSD, which is leads, sales, and deliverable. <laughs> okay. So it's not the drug. It's it, it's right, those right. three component parts every business has. There's other parts depending on when you get paid and stuff like that. But um, you look at the – we're going to be talking about at this event, like how do you look at those different pipes in your business? Identify them in the first place. Identify actually the pathway to profit is what I call it, which is what are those – um, required steps that everybody has to go through that will eventually create profit for your company. And then once you have that, then you start looking at, well, what's restricting the flow of profit? I don't look at the flow of revenue because revenue, who cares about revenue if you don't have profit, right? Right. So it's what's restricting the flow of profit. So like in your case, you're talking about your expense of employees. So yes. you, if you can generate all the leads you want and you're able to convert these people into saying, yes, I'm interested in doing business with you. But then all the profits disappearing in the, the delivery stage, then you don't really need to be paying any attention to anything else except for how it impacts delivery. Because until you get the profit freed from that delivery portion mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. compromising your product that you deliver to the marketplace, then you're going to be in trouble. And you have to find out how do you do that. And any focus on lead generation, any focus on sales conversion that doesn't impact that profit that's stuck in delivery is a total waste of time. In fact, it actually hurts the business more, which is funny to people, but you can actually hurt your business by generating more leads 
when you're not getting the, the proper amount of profit out of this delivery component, if that's where it was stuck. Definitely so, it was for me. Yeah, it was for me as well. So, so yeah, yeah. when we make that, so that's what we do at, the, we're going to do at the event. It's because it's a workshop. We're going to actually be going through people's businesses and helping them figure out what is this pathway to profit? What's actually limiting the flow of profit? And then we'll be okay. talking about specific ways that you can focus in on that component and deal with it. Whether some, and sometimes it has nothing to do with uh, Infusionsoft, right? Right. So right, like right. what we were just talking about, it may have to do with pricing. So how do I, how do I go about adjusting my pricing? Um, how, how do I start getting that so that I have the, the profit margins I need so this business can be viable to scale? And, you know, so that, that's the thing that I see over and over again, Michael, is when it comes to Infusionsoft, people get in this situation where they get so enamored with the technology. Yes. That it actually, it's almost like a siren, right? Um, from the ancient Greek book <laughs> where it, it's calling to the business person. It's calling to the entrepreneur and it's getting them to actually waste right. time and take their business to the rocks. And yeah. then people yeah. are like, dang, what the heck is going on? This is and supposed to make guy. things better. I understood, you know, I know how to get to the rocks uh, myself, but I'm sure most business people have to hire on um, some, you know, uh, consultants to get them through, through these different funnels. And that can really get costly. If you're yeah. not thinking about, you know, your profits first to get those in. Yeah, that's why so, um, if you keep that focus on the profit um, <clears throat> while not compromising what it is you bring to the marketplace, that's just that's the, the real secret because then it gives priority to all the automation that you do from there. Good point. So um, with your business right now, obviously, you've been through several businesses. You've, you've created a number of things. That means that you've had... Uh, learning experiences, as I like to call them, right? Right. What's yeah. what's kept you going through all of it? How do you st keep your chin up? Because I uh, I can tell you have a positive, upbeat, upbeat nature, but obviously thanks. being a business owner is tough. How do you yes, stay and, stay above uh, water? Uh, my uh, lovely wife, uh, she, you know, is a supporter of my crazy uh, businesses that. Um, aren't so crazy uh, and when they succeed. So uh, one of the businesses is just to buy some real estate. So we have some real estate that's a good, you know, uh, uh, monthly profit that, that that brings in. My other business was uh, myself and my brother, uh, not like your brother, getting into business together and starting a, uh, a DJ business where we rented uh, Circle Line um, cruises in New York City and had uh, DJs from Grandmaster Flash back in the day to uh, <laughs> the latest DJs, uh, you know, a spin and dubstep. And while that was, uh, we, we sold a lot of tickets and it just, uh, and we brought in a lot of revenue, right? Yeah. It didn't bring in any profit because we had to spend so much. And it, it was really like, and I, I see that in the construction trade as well. I would rather uh, start with little bites. And that's what I've seen. That's why I'm so, so uh, excited about this business. And in the prototype I was able to create in my own neighborhood, just knocking on doors, putting the newsletter out, getting the first sales, seeing that, okay, I can f turn this around and flip it in a day or two, right? Yeah. For three or four hundred dollars, where and if I scale it up with employees, then the profits can come in, and that's my one, part of my business model. Yeah. But with the uh, DJ business, it was like let's put down fifty grand, and oh man, we only got forty. Yeah. Route ten now. Um. So what keeps me uh, ticking is uh, the right business model and, and my family definitely just um, cheering me on. Uh, although of course. Uh, they want to see me bring them home more than my $200 every two-week paycheck. Um, 
I got to keep it at that. And uh, the wife is um, the breadwinner, and uh, hopefully that'll change in 2015. But it's definitely but, family and, um, yeah, and that, purpose I, I don't in my think business. You can you can ever underestimate the impact of those around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know I could not have made it through what we've had to go through without the support of my wife. And for those that don't have a wife, if you're just by yourself, yeah. you, know, you have to have the support of somebody, whether it's your friends or whatever. You know, you got to have somebody, you know, and that's why I like I encourage people to join marketing groups or something like that. Small business groups where there's real people doing real things just because it's it's very empowering to know that there's other people out there that maybe don't do things as good as you or they do better or whatever. You can learn from them if they're better. If they don't do as good, they can inspire you to do even better, you know, that are making a difference because it can help you really to keep stepping it up. And you, know, you, you brought up another point that I'd like to point out, too. If somebody's at the stage where they're just thinking about a business model, yeah. you identified a, a big, big deal. So, like, a lot of my early work was with real estate agents, and in particular with the short sale transaction, which right. is, was a 90-day at the, at the shortest transaction. Well, what that meant was the same thing that you were looking at with your cruises, right? Which is you lay out cash to get the customer, but you don't get the return for a long period of time after. And so there's this, this big gap between investment and return mm-hmm. on investment. And that actually has a huge impact on your ability to grow a business because the longer that distance is between interest and payment, right, right. The, the more capital it takes to just to get the thing to float. And the more difficult it is to know if what you're doing is actually going to make an impact right on the bottom line. So what's cool about what you've done right here by selecting the right business model for you is getting that shorter window between investment and return on investment. Number one means a lot less capital to run that business. And then number two means you can scale up the business with a lot less capital as well because, you know, like you said, if you know that you invest X and you get Y, you know, two days later, well, then you just look at those limiting factors in the business, which you've already identified as your employees, right? Right, right. And as you increase the, the employees and keep that ratio right, then you're able to, to really leverage that up. And that, I mean, finding those leverage points in any business is, that's the game changer for us all. I would agree. And um, I, I was in the middle of the... Um the DJ business when the uh, Eric Reese book, you know, I read that on um, the prototyping, what's that called? Um, for the lack of a better word, the rat, the uh, just prototyping your, your concept. Right. Yeah. And um, it was, uh, I was thinking, man, okay, do I do a tech thing with this or, um, you know, and, and it, what came along is my partner and we, we started doing this, uh, this handyman work, but uh, I feel like it can apply to anything. It doesn't matter if it's tech or not tech, the prototype idea. Yeah. Um, to rapidly go through it, fail, fail. Okay, this works. Take the metrics, take out what doesn't work and, and go with it. Even though it may not be sexy, like uh, it'd be great if I just remodeled homes all the time. But my bread and butter is fixing people's um, leaks and their, um, you know, because I can always fill in the gaps with that. And um, so, so trying out just those little jobs really um, make the profitable jobs come in and well, it all works itself out. What's super cool about what you're doing, and I'd say to anybody that's that's maybe in these non-techie industries, right, is your competition isn't even thinking about what you're doing. 
And so if you can figure out the model, and like you said, you can prototype it, get the, the processes down. Now you're at this point where you can scale this up and nobody can keep up with you. And you can then take it wherever you want. You know, if you want to take it to another city, you can take it to another city. And you, you have that opportunity yes. to do franchising and all that <laughs> exactly. kind of stuff. Because That's you're my in an industry. Plan. That's what keeps me excited without, right Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're excited to keep tabs on you. We'll, we'll keep up and uh, let us know how things are progressing. Uh, Michael, you. really appreciate your time today. This has been a, a really insightful, even though I know I talked more than you probably wanted to hear. No, it was good. Uh, I got a lot out of what, you, what you're doing and, and how you're working with people. And I think that's really cool. Thank you very much for your, uh, your tools and your wisdom. I appreciate it, Ryan. Boom, let's go out with the band.